Welcome to DLA Piper's new restructuring podcast. In this series, we're going to present the latest news, analysis and market comment on legal issues arising in the restructuring, insolvency and special situations arenas. I'm Hugh Dolphin, a partner in DLA Piper's restructuring group, and I'm going to be joined today by James Davison, my fellow partner, to discuss the snappily titled Commercial Rent Arrears Coronavirus Bill, a new piece of legislation which is intended to deal with the backlog of rent arrears which built up as a result of the UK government's intervention at the start of the pandemic to impose a statutory moratorium on businesses' liability to pay rent. I'm pleased to welcome James. Hello. Before we start, perhaps you can give our listeners a brief overview of your career before and since joining DLA. Sure, Hugh. Thanks. Uh, It's good to be opening our series of podcasts as we look towards some of the key developments on the horizon for 2022. I've been a partner in the UK restructuring group at DLA Piper for just over a year, having joined mid-lockdown from Adelshaw Goddard in London. Yes, and uh, very typical of the pandemic, although we've been working together for over a year, we only met each other face-to-face a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Where does your practice centre? So I work across all key sectors, but sit on our consumer food, goods and retail sector team, as well as our hospitality and leisure team. I've got a particular interest, having started working life before becoming a lawyer in retail. So I work for some of the big names on the high street, including Arcadia Next and Sports Direct and then spent some time on secondment to a large private equity fund with a focus on hotel assets. So as you'd expect, I've acted for a number of clients in the last 12 months as they've adjusted to the post-COVID environment. Operators of retail, outlets, gyms, restaurants, bars, nightclubs and hotels, to mention a few. As you'd expect, this is included looking at ways that businesses who were subject to the most severe COVID restrictions have dealt with liabilities over that period. Rent being a key concern as a fixed overhead, of course. Yeah, those are really are some of the most challenging sectors, aren't they? Retail, uh, hotels and leisure, nightclubs, all have been really badly affected by the pandemic. It really shows as well how you've developed your career along a path that's of special interest to you. So without much more delay, let's turn to the main topic today, which is the most recent development in relation to the restructuring of leasehold liabilities. Yes, I thought our listeners might be interested to hear about new legislation which is due to be brought in in March 2022. It's intended to help businesses which were forced to close during the pandemic to avoid insolvency as a result of unpaid rent, where that rent's accrued during periods of closure and where effectively businesses have had to deal with effectively zero or close to zero income. In short, the government's introducing a new arbitration scheme which can be accessed by landlords or tenants to obtain a decision as to how much rent should be paid for those closed periods. Yeah, it's, it's been a, an issue of some concerns to how this is going to be dealt with. So perhaps you can explain, James, why this piece of legislation is so important. Yeah, so in broad terms, there's still a significant level of unpaid rent arrears in the market where there is no agreement in place between landlords and tenants. The protections that the government has currently got in place to help businesses avoid insolvency are coming to an end. The government's modelling suggests that there are approximately 210,000 tenant businesses owing £1.5 billion to the landlords without any agreement at this stage on a resolution. Right, got it. So it's a huge issue for so many businesses in the UK. But who's actually going to be able to qualify for that scheme? Well, assuming the legislation's passed, uh, the scheme should be open from the 25th of March. And it's available to all tenants under a commercial tenancy 
where their premises were mandated to close or any part of those premises were mandated to close or cease trading under coronavirus regulations. So any rent that accrued between the 21st of March 2020, which of course was the the first day that lockdown restrictions were introduced in the UK. So between that date and the last date that restrictions were moved from that tenant sector. So those arrears will be in scope for arbitration. The rule basically is that the restrictions have to have been imposed by regulation and had to affect the way that the business could operate or use its premises. So businesses that were able to continue trading and were not forced to close, so pharmacies, for example, are not within the scope of this legislation. So as you'd expect, there are going to be different rules for different sectors. In England, for example, businesses in hospitality, such as bars and restaurants, nightclubs, hotels, B&Bs, gyms, and so on, as well as those in personal care and hairdressing, were subject to restrictions from the 21st of March 2020 all the way through to the 18th of July 2021. You'll recall that restrictions on non-essential retail ended on the 12th of April 2021, so it very much depends on when the period of restriction was in force. And so from our reading of the legislation, it appears that any period where a business was able to open, even if at reduced capacity, that is not going to affect their qualification for this scheme. The whole rent for that entire affected period is going to be within the scope of arbitration. Right, so this isn't going to be a lifeboat for all businesses that have got rent arrears that they accrued during the pandemic? No, the government on its own figures estimates that only about 50,000 businesses were mandated to close their premises or cease trading. And the deferred rent within the scope of this scheme is approximately 450 million or thereabouts. So looking back to the figures I gave you earlier, this is only around a third of the total unresolved arrears. Those who chose to close are not going to be within scope. And of course, that is going to be a significant number of businesses who therefore do not qualify. It's important to note that where the rent is outside scope of the arbitration scheme, then protection for commercial tenants is due to fall away in March 2022. There are current protections from forfeiture and commercial rent arrears recovery, which are due to end on the 25th of March, and also restrictions on the presentation of winding up petitions, again for non-payment of commercial rent, which are due to be removed from the 31st of March. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because if the government thinks that less than a third of the unresolved arrears is going to be covered by this scheme, two-thirds are not, and that means we are going to potentially be facing significant issues for those two-thirds of the businesses uh, in the early part of 2022. So for those lucky tenants whose rents do fall within the scheme, how is it going to work? In broad terms, Hugh, landlords and tenants are going to have six months from the date this legislation comes into force. So likely on or around the 25th of March 2022 to refer a dispute to arbitration. During that six-month period, there's going to be a moratorium on enforcement action, so effectively the continuation of protections, but only for the protected rent that falls within the scope of this scheme. So we are going to have a period of further protections, but it isn't going to apply to everybody. In terms of the scheme itself, the arbitrator has got to assess the viability of a tenant's business. So this scheme is very much focused around what tenants can afford to pay. If the arbitrator doesn't think 
that even with a rent reduction, the tenant's business would be viable, then arbitration is not going to be available. The arbitrator effectively has to reject the application. But assuming, assuming that test is met, the principles for the scheme are relatively clear. So the first principle is that any award that is made is intended to preserve the tenant's viability, essentially to stop businesses going into insolvency as a result of their rent arrears. However, that has to be balanced in the sense that neither is the arbitrator able to make an award if the outcome would be for the landlord to be at risk of insolvency. So effectively, there has to be a balancing exercise looking at the financial impact on both parties. And the second key principle is that if a tenant is capable of paying its rent, then it should do so and should do so without delay. And any relief shouldn't be any greater than is necessary for the tenant to be able to afford it. It sounds quite a complicated assessment that the arbitrator has to look at. Does the arbitrator have to consider options that the tenant might have for refinancing? No, they don't, Hugh. The way that it's intended to work is that the arbitrator cannot take account of any restructuring options that the tenant has and has to look at the particular point in time to make their decision. So, assuming your tenant qualifies, what is the process that the tenant's going to have to go through to ensure they can progress their arbitration? So, let's assume for a moment, Hugh, that the tenant will be making the application. I think that's probably the, the most likely scenario. It is open to landlords to, to make the application, but let, let's assume it's the tenant. So, the tenant's required to notify the landlord effectively in advance of the referral to arbitration and put forward a proposal as to how much they want to pay. That proposal has to be supported by evidence of affordability, because you'll remember that the the starting point is that the tenant should be required to pay as much as they can pay without without rendering them unviable. Um, There's then an opportunity for the landlord to consider that proposal and propose an alternative. If an agreement can't be reached, then the tenant can make the referral to the arbitrator. And in doing that, they have to provide evidence in support. So that will effectively be the same information that has been provided to the landlord in advance. The landlord then gets 14 days to make its own proposal to the arbitrator, and the arbitrator can request additional evidence if they need it. Once that has happened, there is the option of having a hearing whereby the parties appear in person and make their arguments. But otherwise, the arbitrator will simply consider the proposals put forward by the parties and make their decision on that basis. Right, so that process is actually, it does actually sound quite simple based on documentary submissions and potentially no hearing. So it's going to be decided by the arbitrator on paper in a lot of cases, it sounds. What are the parties going to have to look out for in making their applications? Yep, the process is designed to be accessible. Simple and streamlined is the government's mantra on this. But as you say, there are some key areas to keep in mind. And as always, the devil is in the detail. So, for example, one of the key things to consider is the interplay between this scheme and other restructuring tools that a tenant might be considering. So, for example, the scheme is not available to companies that are already in a formal restructuring process, such as a CVA or a scheme of arrangement or a restructuring plan. And if a tenant does go to arbitration or seeks arbitration, then once that arbitrator has been appointed, the tenant can't then use the protected rent or can't include the protected rent within a CVA or a scheme of arrangement or a restructuring plan. 
So it does come with some restrictions. So if a tenant needs what I call a more holistic restructuring solution, again, let's talk about a, a CVA or restructuring plan, for example, the scheme does create an interesting tactical dynamic. So if you're the tenant, for example, we could see the scheme being used to reduce rent arrears payable to landlords of sites that they want to exit. So we'd call these potentially sort of category D or category four sites, which we've seen in, in many CVAs as being those that are not profitable and that a business needs to close. So you could see the rent on those sites being included in an arbitration referral to reduce the voting power of those landlords in a CVA. On the landlord's side, we could see referrals being made to arbitration to prevent that happening. So effectively to prevent rent, which is in scope of the arbitration, being compromised in a formal restructuring process, because that would stop that from happening. It's worth being clear at this point that the arbitration scheme cannot address ongoing rent. So we're talking here about arrears. So the arbitration scheme is different to a CVA from that perspective. We can only deal with arrears through the arbitration scheme unlike a CVA, which can deal with rent, which is due in the future. For some larger landlords, a key area that's yet to be explored is how an arbitrator will handle multiple referrals. So let's imagine for a second that you're the landlord of a portfolio of shopping centres, where you could expect there'll be multiple referrals to arbitration. If you have retail and casual dining outlets in your, um, your centre, it's possible in that situation that a landlord's solvency could depend on the outcome of, a, of multiple arbitration referrals. And it, it's not yet clear how the arbitration scheme will deal with those, i.e. whether different referrals can be combined so that the landlord's overall prospects are looked at in the round. And that is one area that we think is going to need to be thought about further as, as the bill passes through Parliament. As with a lot of new legislation, sometimes it does take time for us to work out what works and what doesn't work. And I think you can probably see that some of this might have to change over time. You mentioned the interplay between the arbitration scheme and other restructuring procedures. Is there anything else our listeners should be alert to as we look towards the brave new world of 2022? Yes, I think there are. I think the first thing I'd say is that on the government's own assessment, they're only expecting around 13,000 or up to 13,000 applications into arbitration. So just to reiterate, this is a relatively small proportion of the overall issue. And so we're expecting commercial tenants to need to think very carefully as to whether they're actually able to use this scheme. And if not, to begin planning now for some of those deadlines towards the end of Q1. There are some other key dates too. March is also the month in which the landlord's appeal in the New Look case is due to be heard. So our listeners may recall that New Look proposed a CVA back in September 2020 and that this was challenged by the group's landlords. That challenge was dismissed on all grounds and the court carried out a root and branch review of the principles around CVAs. So as the law stands right now, the CVA's probably never been a more powerful tool. It's very tenant friendly in terms of the principles. However, the new look landlords have appealed that decision. It's possible that the judgment will be handed down within the six month window for arbitration and the outcome will have a significant impact on the use of the CVA going forward. Now, this is important because tenants who qualify for arbitration but are also considering a CVA might want to wait until that judgment is out to work out what the best solution is for them. And of course, we'll be providing our commentary once the new look judgment is handed down. So do watch this space. So with such a lot to consider, as I say, the crucial advice really is to make sure that tenants understand the help available. 
work out whether they're in scope for the arbitration scheme and plan in good time. The end of March really will be here before we know it. And we're expecting businesses to really start focusing on these changes now that we're through the key Christmas trading period. That really is a a great piece of insight into how this scheme is going to interact with potentially what we know in relation to the way CVAs work. So I can see you've got your crystal ball in front of you. I'd like to move on to your prediction for the next 12 months. What do you think the market is going to produce for professionals working in the restructuring world over the next year? To be honest to you, I've almost stopped guessing. Um, (laughs) I think if we'd looked forward 12 months from this time last year, we would have expected a market that was almost, I think, overwhelmed with activity. The professional advisory community in particular is not that huge. And of course, we're going to need to be on the top of our game to deal with the impact of the pandemic. That said, I do expect 2022 to be more active than 2021 largely due to the fact that the government financial support for UK businesses and, of course, government support more generally outside the UK is continuing to drop away. In the UK specifically, and this is more a personal view, I'm expecting the government will want to get as much bad news out of the way as they can, given we'll be right in the middle of the election cycle. I expect we may also all be facing interest rate rises if the Fed takes that decision and the Bank of England follows. We've got higher pressure on energy costs, almost double for some businesses, supply chain and recruitment issues. And that ignores, of course, the potential impact of the Omicron variant and some of the discussion at the moment around additional restrictions, both on travel and potentially in some of those sectors that we've spoken about already today. So I think it will be busier. What I would say is that the future, however, is is bright for good businesses Even those whose balance sheets have been damaged in the last 18 months, I've seen some of my clients that I've acted for over the course of the pandemic, even in some of those most affected sectors, really bounce back strongly and attracting interest from new investment and really turned the corner. And I think most of us have not experienced a market with such liquidity. There certainly is strong appetite for investment in most sectors. And it means that with some creative thinking, There should always be a route through even the most challenging situations. So I think it's this dynamic which will make the turnaround community such an exciting place to be in 2022. Of course, it's our job to help good businesses find solutions, preserve value and promote prosperity. And we're looking forward to working alongside clients and colleagues across the globe to do just that. Well, James, it's always good to finish on a positive. And I think you've actually put some of the issues around the restructuring world in 2022 into context there. There is a lot of positivity around and an opportunity to make changes which will help businesses for the future. So, look, I'd like to thank you for your time and your insight and expertise today, James. To our listeners, if you like what we are doing here, please subscribe to our series at dlapiper.com or on your usual podcast platform. And if you have enjoyed it, please do share it, like it, or even leave a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you. Thank you.